This is the Bigger Pockets podcast show. I don't know. <laughs> what 221. Oh, okay. Is that what this is? Oh, yeah. 221. That's why right. Josh does this all the time. I know. That's why Josh does this. Okay. Let me try that again. Brandon doesn't know how to read. All right. We're going to do this. This is the Bigger Pockets podcast show 221. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? This is Brandon with the Bigger Pockets podcast here with my lovely, wonderful co-host, Mindy Jensen. How you doing, Mindy? I'm doing great, Brandon. How uh, pff, not doing as well as you? Aloha, Brandon. <laughs> Aloha. So, uh, first of all, if my sound sucks today, it's because I actually ordered a really nice microphone knowing I was going to be going to Hawaii for a while. And so I uh, ordered this fancy microphone here and I get here and it doesn't work. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to go figure that out later. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm here in Hawaii for a while. I want to learn how to surf and stuff. So that's what I'm doing. How about you? What's Denver like? A little cold today. Uh, today, I thought of you, knowing that you were in Hawaii, I thought of you as I drove through three and a half inches of snow on the way into work that took me twice as long to get here. Awesome. But I persevered because I knew I would get to talk to Mr. Brandon Turner, my favorite of the podcast hosts. <laughs> yes. I'm going to quote that and I'm going to send that to Josh later. So You can totally quote yeah, that. I could. He doesn't I'm, listen anyway. He doesn't listen anyway. So uh, with that, I mean, uh, we have an amazing show today. In fact, I would actually put today's show as in my top five of all the bigger pockets podcasts from the beginning uh, I, wow. I loved it yeah it was amazing so uh this guy is awesome. He is awesome his name is tim shiner yep. he's from texas he's been investing since before dirt was invented yep. and he's uh <laughs> made a pretty penny doing it he has and he's got a couple lamborghinis i think and he's talked about like kind of the the psychology behind why he has those i think if there's one thing you guys take away from today's uh, podcast. Listen for that. Like the reason for rewarding yourself for doing amazing things in real estate. I love that, that, uh, that kind of process or theory, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, yes, big fan. He, he drops nuggets of wisdom and truth. Yeah. And I never thought of that yeah. all throughout the show. Yeah. The whole thing. So, but before we get to a show, we want to quickly cover today's quick, quick tip. tip. All right, today's quick tip is uh, I actually wanted to bring it up because, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm renting like a little Air- Airbnb. This is my humble bragging. And, uh, you know, it's really hot out here and the sun's hitting my face. It's really, no. So here, here's the deal. Uh, three or four months ago, or maybe, well, when was FinCon? I don't know, five months September. ago? September. Okay. Uh, me and Mindy went surfing together, actually. And while we were there, we met a guy named Doug. Uh, and Doug how, Nordman, is that how you say his last name? Doug Nordman. Doug Nordman. Nords. You know, Nords, and he taught us how to surf. Me and Mindy, we went surfing together, and I loved it so much. I said, someday, I want to take and just, like, spend a month learning how to surf. And, I, and you know how, how many times do we all do that, right? Someday I want to do this, someday I do that. So my quick tip today is very simple. If there's something you want, go and make plans right now. So after I got home from FinCon, I went online on Airbnb, and I booked out an entire month and, uh, well, about a month here on Airbnb at a fantastic place out here in Hawaii because I had no ability to back out. Like I booked it, I scheduled it, I paid the money and it's in. So anyway, my quick tip for today is uh, there's something you want. Go schedule it today. Go make it happen today and you can't back out. That is an excellent tip and it flows so well with the the uh, 
topics that we talk about today on today's it show. It does. Um, you should link to some of your surfing pictures. I I just might throw one up in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show Throw one up there. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today's guest, as Mindy said, is, is Tim Shiner. Shiner like the eye getting punched in the face. That's what he said. Uh, and uh, he, again, this show is just fantastic. I don't think we need to do any more intro because we already talked about him. So let's just bring him in. You want to welcome him into the show, Mindy? You bring him in. I would love to. Hey, Tim, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mindy, for having me. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah. Smartest man in the world. Smartest man in the world. All right, before, so we, let me let me give some preference what that means. Uh, before uh, we started recording this, apparently Mindy was bragging about me and said I was the smartest person in the world. Or something Brandon like that. Brandon kind of knows something. I might. Well, think about it. He's in Hawaii. You got a blue wall, and I've got a <laughs> wall in Las Vegas behind me. So I think he is the smartest guy in the world I right must, now. I must be, at least in this moment. This is pretty good. So, uh, I, Tim, I don't know a whole lot about you. I mean, I know you're a BP guy. I know I've seen your, your name around a lot, uh, but I don't know a lot of your story. So, why don't we just start with, you know, very, very beginning? How did you get into this sure. real estate thing? So, I've always been a huge goal setting type person. And my goal was to have a house before I turned 20. And I did it at 19 and 10 months. That's nice. the good news. The bad news is I got robbed twice. <laughs> so so uh, I, I grew up kind of middle class, kind of lower end of middle class, like uh, 
we had tough skins, but we didn't have Levi's, that type of middle class. And so I, I, I tough skins. Said, I didn't I know that. Too, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, you're too young. They're, they're the, the jeans you got at Kmart, which isn't around anymore. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I, I always set goals for myself. My goal was to have a house before I turned 20. I, I got a little two bedroom, one bath, one car garage on an acre in Fort Worth, Texas. I grew up some in Chicago, and, and I live now in Texas. I've been there for, for uh, the vast majority of my life. But then I got broken into his little $45,000 house, uh, 12% interest, you know, neat little deal. Got a roommate, so it was actually cheaper than living in an apartment because I had a house. And that got me in real estate. But what it also taught me is real estate's great, but but pick your problems. If, if you want to live in a lower end area or if you want to have rent houses in lower end, you're going to have lower end people, which is fine. I mean, you can make money a lot of different ways. Ten dimes or one dollar turns out to be a dollar. Yeah. So from that lesson, I decided to start buying quality real estate. I mean, I've, I have stuff on the lower end. I got four apartment complexes that are on the lower end. But I, my niche and the reason why I think you all asked me beyond here is I buy higher end quality real estate in great school districts. That's awesome. So, and I want to talk about that. Actually, I just like not two hours ago, I had a conversation with a couple of guys. Uh, we're in like an online kind of mastermind group talking about real estate. And, uh, you know, we, we talked to a lot, a lot of people when they get into real estate, do this. I'm going to go buy this $30,000 house, this $50,000 house, the $80,000 house. And sure. you know, they don't realize, I mean, on paper, those numbers look really good. It looks really good when you buy that $40,000 house that rents for 800 bucks a month. But it's not always yep. it's not always that way. Can you explain why it might not always be? that way? Like, why is it not always in a, as good as it looks on paper? So, you know, one of my favorite sayings is watch out for the vice and advice because anyone will give you advice. Uh, 98% of Americans won't ever have a net worth of a million dollars. So that means 98 out of 100 people that are in your ear, whether it's a relative, a parent, uh, your coworker, they're giving you advice on real estate. And what I've also found is think about it. Most people, you know, maybe they buy three, four, five houses in their entire lifetime in, in three, four, five different decades if, with three, four, five different circumstances. So their advice has a really, really good chance of not being accurate. So I would have real estate people going, hey, if you buy in this more affordable area, you're going to end up being positive 100 a month or 200 a month. But I have other businesses and being positive 100 or 200 a month wasn't, wasn't what got me interested. What got me interested is appreciation because I've owned stuff that doesn't appreciate. If you think about it, there's really three ways in real estate. You buy it right, which only happens once. And then and then there's appreciation and then there's uh, debt reduction. Well, debt reduction is going to take a long time, whether you're on a 15 or 30 year mortgage. So buying it right only occurs once. And then debt reduction is going to take a long, long time. So what's the one thing that can happen really fast or faster than the other two is appreciation. So I started buying stuff in great school district because at the end of the day, I mean, Brandon, it's not you. It's not me. It's Mindy. It's the woman in the relationship that's going to choose <laughs> where she's going to raise her two beautiful daughters in Mindy's case, and they're going to pick a great school district. So those, the great school districts are always going to appreciate better. That is so true. That is so true. I uh, until true. I had two kids. Beautiful daughters. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday we had a, a test call, and my girls are like, "Oh, let me see." Anytime they see Skype, they're like, "Oh, it's got to be all about me." <laughs> um, I, until I had kids, I did not care about school districts. And then once I had kids, I thought, "Oh, if I live across that street, they're going to be in a way better school district. I'm not going to go to look at houses over here anymore. I'm only looking over there." And because the difference between a, a okay school district and a great school district may not be a lot on the buy-in necessarily, but it is huge on the education level and the, the caring for your kids. And you're right. I'm going to be the boss in where we live. 
Absolutely. And so, so Brandon, what I started doing, there's a town in Texas called South Lake, Texas. So now we got a hundred, hundred thousand viewers that are going to start buying there and be my competitors, <laughs> but that's cool. Yeah. But the cool thing about South Lake is really unique. Texas is kind of weird. Like Houston, Texas, there's no zoning. You could put a high rise next to a house, but what South Lake did is they really restricted the zoning. Every house has to be on an acre lot. Now they've reduced it down to a half acre. So the dirt is super expensive. It's about 300,000 just for an empty lot nowadays in South Lake. But what they also did is they made it so that no multifamily, no apartments, there's not a duplex, apartment, anything there. So I own 13 houses in that area, and I feel like my houses are basically the apartments of that area. So people get online, they Google Great School District, Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, South Lake's about uh, seven minutes from Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. So they, they Google Great School Districts in Texas. It's always top five. They normally have a football team playing for the state championship. I mean, it's a neat, neat area. So what ends up happening is somebody from – out of town, Colorado or Hawaii, where you're at, you're, you're coming in and you're going to, you're going to decide to rent for a year. You don't really know anyone. You're going to rent one of my houses. And then the other thing that I've done is my wife is 24 seven, 365, bubbly, sweet girl. She's a Southwest flight attendant that doesn't fly that much, but imagine that type of bubbly personality. Yep. Plus she is a hardcore investor and really knows what she does. So what, what we end up doing is we end up letting them rent a house from us. And then we've got a little slogan. We say, buy from me, tear up your lease for free. So on Valentine's day, you're getting a box of chocolate from my wife, buy from me, tear up your lease for free. We're constantly reminding them that they can get out of their lease if they buy a house from my wife. Cause how I look at it, they're going to, they're, my renters are going to leave me one way or the other. So they can either leave me with my wife having a, a 3% real estate commission pop, or they can just be gone. The other thing that happens is now we communicate a lot better. The move out is a lot easier because we're not adversaries. We're helping them get to the next phase. But by having them in a lease, their best friend could be a real estate agent, but their best friend can't get them out of, out of that contract. And to add one more thing to that, um, the other thing is, as you guys know, when you're renting a house, a real estate agent gets one quarter on, on the seller side and one quarter on the buyer side of that rent to rent the house. So let's say someone's renting for 2000 bucks. The real estate agent's only getting 500 on one side, 500 on the other, while they could be selling a $500,000 house and making 15 grand. Yeah. So how much does a real estate agent really care about my house being empty one more month where I might have a mortgage of you know, 18 to $2,000 and, and they don't have a sense of urgency. So we had to get somebody in the family to become a real estate agent. So my wife is, my daughter Haley, uh, 17, she'll be a real estate agent when she turns 18. And my son Garrett will be a real estate agent in three years when uh, when he uh, uh, turns 18 also. Well, let me ask you this then, because um, this is something that in my own life I've wondered, and a lot of our listeners are as well. Why don't you have your license? You know, my wife and I keep talking, should she get it? Should I get it? You know, wh and I know, Mindy, you have your license and, and your husband doesn't. Yes. So, like, how do you guys define who gets it in the, in the relationship? Um, do you want to take that one? Yeah, in my case, I was a stay-at-home mom when I got it, and my husband had a nine-to-five. He was a computer programmer working for the Veterans Administration, so he didn't have time to get it. Colorado has one of the highest uh, licensing education requirements at 168 hours of coursework, so it just made sense for me to get it. Okay. And in, in my, my case – I always talk about conflicting goals. Like my wife was put on this earth to be a mom. Well, when you're flying three to four days a week on a Southwest jet, then then uh, that's conflicting goals. So by her having a real estate license and helping us with our other businesses, it allows her to stay home. And that's the thing I'd encourage a lot of people. If, if you... If, if you have a goal of being the greatest parent, but yet you've got a job that takes you away from the home, try to figure out something that can keep you around. And so it's worked out great. I mean, she just does a fantastic job. And think about this. Nobody's going to care about your investments. 
uh, as much as you do. I view my real estate investment as my 401k, and I want to be in charge of, of my retirement uh, and make sure that the person with the number one interest is, is w- watching over it. Okay, that makes, that makes perfect sense. And I think, like, yeah, we a couple of things to point out. First of all, I love that idea. I think my wife probably will be the one that gets the license, uh, but you know, we're still working through that. But I love the fact, to go back to something you said earlier, the buy from me, tear up your lease for free, that thing. What I love about that, yep. I, I never heard that before, but I like it for a couple of reasons. Obviously, the money is great. They're going to leave anyway. It's great. You know, might as well get them on the, the commission. But I also love the 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 subtle reminder that they have a lease. You know, like, like I feel like a lot of tenants just yeah. like – I mean, maybe in my oh. tenants, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to move, move. Well, you know, you have a lease. Oh, well, you know, I found another, I don't know. It, it, I like that subtle reminder that like you're in a lease. Don't, you know, you can't just leave, but if you want to leave, just work with me and we'll, we'll take care of it. And, and it's kind of a win, win, win in every way. I, I love that. You know, like most major changes in your life, you got to have something painful happen so you can get off the middle ground and do something. So I had a guy that rented a house. I gave it below market value because he's in the in the uh, another industry that I'm in, and we worked kind of together. He's a customer in that industry, so I give him a favorable rate. Well, he ended up buying a house, and it was because he didn't realize my wife was a real estate agent. He leased from me for eight years and said, "Hey, I much I would have much rather have bought from Crystal and you than uh, than any anyone else." And so it took that. So then. You know, I, I actually am the one that's handing off on all of our porches, you know, the candy or the pumpkin for Halloween or, you know, Fourth of July flags uh, with the buy from me, therapy lease for free. But to me, what it also does, which we all should be doing, is is now it forces me about six, seven times a year to go around to every one of my properties because next thing you know, you wake up at six months later and you haven't visited one of your properties. So it's a win like that, too. And I love anything that's like a win, 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 win on goals and uh, and, and the – Dropping off that to the different at the different holidays definitely does that. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. So, Tim, are you full time real estate investor? You have mentioned that you have other companies or other other things yeah, you're doing. I'm, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff that would be boring to the listeners, but I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't. But I'm going to explain this one part because it, it explains why I really became passionate about buying real estate. So I own a security rep firm. So I would never sell Brandon and you an alarm system. I would sell to the big, large companies that do. So I, I've got a line of motion detectors, uh, fingerprint readers, you know, cameras, stuff like that. But what's bad about that business is I'm on a 30-day contract with all my manufacturers. So they can break up with me or I can break up with them if I find a better product line. So I've got about 35 different product lines and I've got uh, uh, I've got a rep firm in, in four states and I bought another rep firm in four states. So so it it's great cash flow, but it's not a sellable business. So I use the cash flow from that business in case a hot water heater breaks or a down payment on a house because – now I view it, I've got 153 total doors. And so I view it now is if I need to liquidate or borrow against, I can borrow, I can sell or borrow against a house and, and that will take care of the rest of the herd. So in my mind, I'm 51. So if I want to be done at 65, I view it as I've got 150 head of cattle that are doors that I own and I'm trying <laughs> to get it to, to market to slaughter. And if I've got to kill off three doors to get the 150 across the line, so be it. Or if I'm fortunate enough financially to expand the herd to 200 doors, then so be it. But that's how I look at it. You got to think about what your end game is. And I've got a water ski analogy. When you when you water ski, you're looking in front of you, you're going to fall. But if you look at the the shoreline, you're going to do good. And that's kind of what real estate is. Is if you look at every hot water heater, leaky toilet, it's like it's like water skiing and and, and falling. So you just look at it as 153 doors. I'm trying to get to 65. And if I got to thin the herd or expand the herd, so be it. And that's kind of my philosophy on that. I like that a wow. lot. 
Yeah, I think. So, go ahead. Go ahead, Mindy. Uh, you go ahead. I was going to ask him about his portfolio. OK, well, I do want to go there as well because you said the hundred and some uh, units. But uh, I was going to like say I like that thinking in terms of looking at the horizon because, you know, so many times we get caught up in the day to day minutia of running our real estate businesses. Like, sure. I mean, yeah, everything from this tenant didn't pay rent or should I buy this one little house here? Or, you know, like, but it's almost like, you know, a lot of newbies come to me and they're like, well, I, you know, what should I do? Should I turn my house into a rental or should I? You know, they they kind of perseverate over these things for weeks or months or years. And like lately, I've just been in the mood of just been like, it doesn't matter. Just do something because that's not the end goal. Like just start. And totally. I don't, yeah, I don't want to tell people to do bad deals, but so, but, but just like do something because none of none of, no individual deal is going to make you rich or bankrupt you most likely. I mean, a really big deal done bad could, but. Brandon, you and I are talking about the exact same thing. So uh, I was flying back from California over the weekend. I was sitting next to an American captain that was deadheading back. He's like, he's like Tim. He goes, I'm just so conservative. And I said, I said, can we just be candid? I'm, I'm like, let me walk you through this. You're a W-2 wage earner as a captain on American. You are right in the crosshairs of taxation. And I said, you think you're being conservative by not investing in real estate, but you really are not being conservative because you have one oxygen lifeline, if you're scuba diving, called the check from American. Wouldn't it be better to have 100 oxygen tanks from different businesses, real estate rent? I said, so who's really the one that's risky and who's the one that's conservative? So – you know, I, I, I look at real estate. My goal is to get as many checks coming in the mail as I possibly can every single month. And I know that sounds obvious, but most people just have a job that pays you. So I've got 35 product lines. I've got 153 renters when we're full coming in and, and you know, some inventions and some royalties and stuff like that. And some notes I'm carrying from, from properties that I own or finance. But that's how I look at it. I want as many checks as I possibly can from as many revenue streams coming in every single month. I love that. I always said I wanted to be a millionaire in at least five different streams. You know, it's so like real estate, Ooh, business, that. right, book writing, whatever. Yeah. Like, because yeah, one of them fails or something goes wrong, and and I'm still gonna be okay. I want to make sure that I'm not just wealthy or secure in one field, like uh, because that's not secure. I mean, like, because things happen all the time. In fact, I think I heard an interview with I think Tony Robbins a few weeks ago talking about how. Yeah. Uh, you know, like no matter what, he talked about like the seven different investment types that are out there, real estate, stocks, whatever. Sure. And he showed how like in a given lifetime or a given, what, 20-year period, every single one of them has crashed dramatically in like 70, 80% crash. Like, sure. he's like, so if you're in any of those and that you're all in one of them, you're going to lose. Like the only way to survive is to, and to thrive, is to be in multiple ones and, uh, you know, kind of ebb and flow inside there. So, Yeah. Brandon and I have had a conversation about diversification. We have. We've had probably multiple conversations. So my visual <laughs> visualization for that is legs underneath the table. Like the table I'm, I'm sitting in front of has one leg. If that thing gets chopped out, this thing's on the floor. Yeah. But, but if you have 100 legs underneath your table and you get a, a whack on 20% of them, so be it. Your table's still standing. So that's always been my visual for revenue streams. I like that. And now, now, wow. Well, That's amazing. Yeah, I really, I really like the analogy. I've never heard that before. But to, to counterpoint that, I'll ask, what about like the one thing? You know, we, we, we love that book, The One Thing by you know, Gary Keller and Jay Papazan. Yeah. And, and there's another book yeah. called Essentialism. And, and we all know the value of focusing and stuff. So, you know, you've got a business. You've got all these things over there. I know you've written a book. You've done, you know, I've done a lot of things. And I've done kind of, you know, similar stuff. But isn't that just shooting ourselves in the leg on the, on the thing that we could do really, really well? Why not focus on one thing and just do it and just crush it? You know, I'm probably the ADD investor, so it works for me. But the one thing, <laughs> one thing that I have, it, and it's back in my home in Texas, is I've got a big white cardboard, and it's what I did as a kid. When I was a kid, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you uh, set a dumpster on fire? Yeah, yeah, that almost had a dumpster fire on his podcast. So here's the thing. So I, I started this when I was a kid, and it worked so well, I stopped. So I've got this big cardboard, which I actively have 80 different projects I'm working on. And every day I read it, and every day that I do something, I put a little uh, Sharpie mark on it. So what it ends up allowing you to do is you see this one goal with a bunch of dots, and you see this other goal with two. And then you just decide, I'm going to kill that goal. It's just obviously it's not working, but that other goal – you see all the dots, but what it does for you is we all know nothing happens quickly. People are like real estate. Like I'm, I call it get rich slowly, you know, yeah. you know, buy something to fall asleep for 10 years and maybe you got a little bit of equity. It's not a quick thing, but what, by having all those dots on there, it ends up getting you to a point where you, you literally, I mean, I love coming home every day and putting dots because I'm achieving something. So Brandon, I, I think I, I would say it, it's different for me. I love having a lot of things going on. I think it's what life's about. And maybe I could be better if, if I did just one thing, but I just really get energized by doing a lot of things. Yeah. So that works for me. So maybe it's the ADD version of real estate investing is what I'm doing. <laughs> well, the way, the way that I look at that, because you know, I, I, I ask myself that question all the time about am I doing too many things? And wh where I translate the one thing or that, that, that methodology is when I'm on something – I try to focus one thing on that. So like, like when I'm trying to buy a piece of real estate, like I'm present, I'm in that, I'm buying it, and I'm, I'm gonna you know, get that done as fast and efficient as possible. But then when I'm writing a book, I mean, when I wrote the book on rental property investing and the managing one, my wife and I wrote both those in a 100-day period. Every single day for 100 days, we wrote that book. Once it was done, awesome. it was done, right? And that's, that is, like, that's how I approach it. Like I still do a ton of different things, but when I'm working on it, like, if, I mean, for listeners out there to translate this, if you're like, I want to buy my first rental property, go buy your first rental property. Just go and buy it. Like it doesn't take six months or a year. Go buy it. In two months from now, you'll have it done. And then if you want to do something a little bit different, you want to go sell on Amazon or buy Tupperware or something, I don't know. Like go ahead and do that if that's what your passion <laughs> is. But like- Ren, I totally yeah. agree. The other thing that I try to tell people when they get freaked out about buying their first property, I said, you got to look at the Delta. So let's say you bought a two hundred thousand dollar house and you end up screwing up. Maybe it costs you ten grand, or maybe you make ten grand. And I always say, are you are you stepping off a cliff or are you stepping off a curb? So if you bought a two hundred thousand dollar house, you made the worst mistake in your life. Maybe it's take a 10% hit and lose 20 grand. Well, I've lost 20 grand on some stock that I have no clue what they do. So I, I don't have a problem. I'm not, I'm not risk averse to making a mistake. You just don't want to step off cliffs. You don't want to develop a brand new apartment complex with no experience. That could be devastating. I bought, I bought some land, I bought 2.7 acres on a, on the highest part. Texas is pretty flat. This lake has a super high part. And I dreamed about building negative pool, infinity pools off this cliff overlooking this lake. And then I realized I'm not a developer. <laughs> so, so I, I literally could have made a million dollar mistake or maybe I could have made a million dollars, but my concern was how much time it would distract me. I'm not good at it. Know what you're good at and what you're not good at. I'll go try a lot of other things where it's stepping off a curb so I don't get slaughtered if, if I make a mistake. So, you know, I'm very optimistic and very open to doing stuff. You just got to watch something that could just, you know, crater you because you're trying to do too much. So to your point, sometimes you got to focus on what you're better at. Smart. Yeah, that's really smart. So I spend a lot of time in our forums at biggerpockets.com slash forums. And I see a lot of people posting in there, I want to buy a 55-unit apartment building. Great. What kind of experience do you have? I've never purchased anything in my whole life. Well, I think you should start off slightly smaller. I'm not saying yep. – I'm not trying to crush your dreams, but you do need to get some experience before you just jump over a cliff. 
or, or have a mentor yep. that can really hold your hand and God, God, I've got a guy that should be on one of your future podcasts. He's, uh, his name's Pat Dolan. <laughs> he's, got, he's got 13 uh, storage, storage facilities, self-storage facilities. And every time he builds them, he gets between a million five and 2.5 million worth of equity. So I probably will build a storage facility, but it's one of my best friends that can hold my hand and he's done it 13 times. And so, so now that's, you know, I'm, I'm interested in his story and I know that he had helped me. So that isn't as much of a risk. I mean, think about it. That's probably going to yeah. be a $4 million endeavor, but I'm not, I'm not paralyzed or challenged by it because you know, I, I've got a thing that I always say that mentors come before money, just like it does in the dictionary. So you find the mentors, find the people that have done what you want to do, and and befriend them, and and try to get them to help you. I love that. And by the way, if right. you want, if you want to let your friend know and anybody else, go to biggerpockets.com/guest, and you can apply to be on the Bigger Pockets podcast. Put your information in there. You know what? I'm going to do one better. I'm going to send a film crew to him <laughs> nice. and a film crew to my buddy. Josh Randall in Kentucky, and uh, we'll, we'll get you video. We, we kind of like doing these videos like yeah. like MTV Cribs to make Mindy's life a little bit easier. <laughs> Let's talk about that. M- Mindy, tell us the story of how Tim actually got on the podcast. Uh, so stalker. Tim did go to biggerpockets.com slash guest, and he told me a little bit about himself. He shared a video of himself, and what he had done is he hired two high school kids from a town in Texas that actually my cousin, I, I uh, actually thought my cousin went to high school with these kids, but it turns out there's, I guess, a hundred high schools in this, high schools. Yeah. in this city. And he hired them to come in and film him because I will, I will go out on a limb and say, Tim is not the most technologically advanced person on the planet. And <laughs> <laughs> he's got a pen and paper in front of him. I love it. And these, but these kids know about how to take a video and how to, how to edit it. And he sent me three or four minutes of, Hey, this is what I've done. I've got this experience. These, he paid these kids a hundred dollars to, to film it. So he didn't even like take advantage of these kids. Then he paid them a hundred dollars if they liked, if he liked it. And then he paid them a hundred. He said, I'm going to give them a hundred dollars if you choose me, which is not why I chose him because I liked so, so I guilted her into it. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, did not pocket nation. You, this is a product of a payoff. <laughs> Sorry you have to watch this today. But he didn't so, pay me off. He will he take off bribes. No, you're right. He will I, not take bribes in the form you're of – You're right. It's the kids. And, and I'm throwing them out there. It's uh, it's Kyle Ball and Evan Russo were the ones that – did uh did the video that's awesome well i i love the hustle yeah, good love, job. yeah i love that hustle that goes into it i mean like we want we want uh we want awesome guests on the show so if you guys are listening to this and you want to come on the show uh, you know go to biggerpockets.com slash guest and see if you can top what tim did <laughs> so okay uh, let's do this back on track back on and track. let's talk okay. about let's talk about uh your portfolio and what types of units and deals you have 153 doors you said you have yeah. 13 high-end rentals in texas sure. what are the other 140 Okay, I'm going to back up just a little bit. The, the stuff in Southlake, um, what's neat about it is it appreciated 20% last year, and I've got $5 million worth of real estate. So I made a million passively uh, on, on that. And what I always look at it, let's say that somehow – I mean I'm positive cash flow and all that because I've had it so long. But let's say I wasn't, and let's break down the numbers a little bit little bit smaller. Let's say that you made hundred grand worth of appreciation, and it took twenty grand to, to – I call it to feed the beast – you know, hot water heaters, empty stuff. Well, the, what you got to look at is your, if you've got other ways of making money, you'll look at your net 
what did you make? What is your net worth on that? So on that example, you would have made 80 grand because you made 100 on appreciation. It took 20 to feed the beast. My scenario was it was uh, made a million and it was positive only because I've had it for so long. So that's good. So the other stuff I did is in the middle of the recession, you could not get a residential loan anymore. So you know, I thought I got to go faster. Kind of like you said, Mindy, you're going, hey, walk before you run. And Brandon, you echo those sentiments. So I thought I was ready for multifamily. And so there's a, a rural area in Kentucky where I own other businesses. And I thought, I'm going to buy there because it's affordable. So I've got a 24-unit, a 27-unit, a 24-unit that has a trailer park and a 48-unit. And i got some houses and some buildings up there. But, but what's great about that on the apartments is – when you have a house and you're empty, you're either 100% full or 100% empty. When an apartment, you're a fraction of it. So let's take a 24 unit. Maybe I've got four empties. So now I'm 20 out of 24 full. So you're never 100% empty. And that's the kind of cool thing about multifamily. But the thing that is frustrating in my scenario is it's the caliber, what, what type of problems you want to have in life. You know, When you're going to do a business deal that could create a whole revenue stream of many, many thousands of dollars a month for a decade, and then you got a renter that's renting an apartment for four or $500, you know, wreaking havoc. It's just, you know, pick, pick your problem type of deal. So quite honestly, I like high-end real estate because of uh, the lack of problems. I mean, perfect example, my South Lake stuff, if I don't cash one of their checks, they call me, hey, Tim, you didn't, you didn't cash our check. <laughs> Up there, I'm chasing them. <laughs> So, you know, kind of pick your problem. The people in my South Lake houses, they're, uh, they have 750, 800 beacon scores. They shouldn't be renting. They're renting because they went through a divorce or keeping their kids in the district. They're renting because they moved from New Jersey and they want to get a lay for the land and not go buy a $900,000 house right out of the gate. So they're great quality people. They, most of my renters haven't rent, rented since they were in college. I mean, you kind of got to re-remind them what you got to do and what, what they do because they just aren't – they aren't serial renters. So, but what, like I said before, I mean you buy right. You have debt reduction, which takes time. But the big thing for me is appreciation. So uh, I'm looking to buy in areas that are highly populated, that are appreciating, and, and that's what that area has been for me. Do you, On that appreciation note, because this is a topic that's you know, debated a lot and a lot of bar fights have been started over it, you know, appreciation versus <laughs> cash flow. So you know, when you're first starting – I tend to recommend people buy things that, you know, if you're trying to leave your job or whatever, that cash flow, right? Yeah. But at some point, Absolutely. it kind of shifts to appreciation. So what, where do you see like that? Where's that line? Where should somebody focus more on cash flow, more on appreciation? And isn't appreciation just gambling? I mean, that's what people say. I think it is if you got a market that's that's uh, boom and bust. Texas, unfortunately, has the 47th worst property taxes in the U.S. We don't have a state income tax, but we have property taxes. And what that's done is it's kept – uh, investors from flooding Texas because 47th worst taxes. I mean, people are picking different areas to do it, uh, like Florida or something like that. So we've been real steady. We've grown like this. We haven't been like that ever. Even in the economic, you know, downturn, there wasn't many deals to be had in the area that that I was buying. I bought a few and had to uh, have private money and pay 10% interest. But there were such deals that, that that I couldn't pass it up. So I would say if your market's like this, then then I'm not worried about appreciation. If it's California, you're up 200 grand, you're down 200 grand. That might be a different story. But for me. I was reading a Warren Buffett book when he was talking about Berkshire Hathaway, and what they did is they made thread and yarn and, and, and textile stuff, and it was super intensive to buy more machinery. But it threw off a decent little cash flow, but he was very much of a commodity-type product. You know, Brandon and Mindy, your, your thread wasn't better than Warren Buffett's thread. It was all kind of the same. And so, so what – 
I was thinking at the exact same time, I've got this rep firm that throws off good cash, but I can't sell it. So why not use the cash from that business to put it into something that's growing faster? And the other thing I'll say about appreciation, I mean, I mean, the, the key that real estate has that most investments doesn't. So let's say you bought a dollar worth of stock and you'd have to go make a uh, dollar 40, get taxed down to a dollar, invest a dollar. And then the, do the dollar worth of stock went up 20 percent. Then you get taxed on the 20 percent. That's challenging, where if you look at if you look at real estate, you put 20 percent down, the bank puts 80 percent down and then you end up getting all the appreciation. So let's take a simple example, $100,000 house. You put 20 grand down, the bank puts 80. Well, now that house goes up 20 percent. You just made 100 percent on your 20,000 you put down because now it's worth 120. So you just made 100 percent. Let's say it took two years, five years, 10 years, whatever, 100 percent. Let's say it took 10 years. That's 10 percent a year. The other thing that's really helped that it's kind of I've had two lucky things happened that I didn't intend on. One was I never really uh, factored in uh, depreciation. So now I think it's something like the first 250,000 I make every year is tax-free because of depreciation. You know, you get to depreciate those properties on 27 and a half years. Well, when you have one house, it's not much. Let's say you have a $275,000 house, you get to write off 10,000 worth of depreciation, your first 10,000 worth of income. But when you have a bunch, it starts being a really huge thing. The other thing I get lucky is, is oil and gas. They uh, give me a bunch of leases on, underneath my ground on oil and gas. I made about a quarter of a million dollars on that purely by accident. It's like wow. being born rich. That, that was just <laughs> a, a fun, fun little thing. And then they end up never drilling. So, so, wow. so the two, two byproducts that were uh, – they were kind of the, the oil and gas thing was an anomaly, but the depreciation. Once you start having a big portfolio, uh, the depreciation is huge. Can I talk about one other thing I want to throw out? It's kind of uh, real estate. So, I, I got a buddy, my buddy Josh. So hopefully, we'll do a podcast later. But I'm always concerned about husbands and wives not having the same goals. And yeah. so, the guy wants to be an investor, or the girl wants to be an investor, and then the first time some bad happens, like a renter destroys your house, hot water here, leaky toilet, toilet on Thanksgiving. We had to we had to go cook somebody's turkey on Thanksgiving because the <laughs> oven went out in the rent house. <laughs> well, you got to you got to do whatever you whatever you got to do. But if you got a bad attitude and you don't have a plan, then it's like great, you just ruined our Thanksgiving. We got to cook cook uh, the, the the turkey for someone else. So what my buddy Josh did is he's got five, four kids and his wife was like, why are we buying a, another rent house? Cause she's, she, she's a wonderful human being, but she just didn't see the long vision of it. And so he is the best dad. And he takes him on these vacation and in his living room. You have all these picture frames, the cheesiest picture frames you've ever seen with a family picture. They go to Atlantic city, there's shells on them. They go, they go to Florida, there's dolphins on it, but they have a family picture. I mean, he must have 200 of these things. So what I said to Josh, I said, why don't we combine a goal? He told me about a house he bought. It was a $50,000 house. And I said, would you have paid fifty-five for it? He goes, yeah, it's worth eighty. I said, good. Factor in an extra five grand and take your family on a vacation every single time you buy a house. So now it's not, oh, no, we bought another house. It's, oh, yeah, we get to go on another family vacation. So I'm all about these mind games and trying to combine goals so that, so that one person isn't the obstacle in your wealth. And uh, so that's what he does. Every time he buys a house, he takes his family on on, uh, on a vacation. So arguably, he probably has a better family life than anyone I know, <laughs> and he has has as as good of a real estate portfolio as anyone I know. I really like that a lot because uh, yeah, it is it is really hard to sometimes see progress when you're buying rental properties. Like it's just yeah. you, know, you pick yeah. up another one, it's another <laughs> headache. Paint drying. Yeah, watch the paint dry. It's yep. slow, man. That's it's like it. a snail race. Yep. I started I started giving a few years ago. My wife and I kind of made an agree agreement. 
that she would get to keep all late fees and all any kind of fees that we got, application fees, anything like that. She gets all that because it's it's a hassle to deal with it. And it's like, oh, I got to deal with another you know person who paid rent late. late. Now it's like, oh, good, they paid rent late. I get sixty bucks or fifty bucks or whatever, you know. Exactly. And uh, but you know what? That's that's smart. You just played it the right way. So I'm in Vegas right now, and my deal with my wife because I like to gamble is when I win, I go buy you a Louis Vuitton. So it's the same type of thing. Now she doesn't give give me a hard time for being at the grass table. So, but but. If you think about it, your wife hopefully is someone you're going to be with the rest of your life. So, and and people that choose not to invest in real estate, you're picking your poison. I mean, if you don't have a plan for wealth in your life and you're hoping that someone else is going to take care of it, then then you're really putting it at risk. So, if you get with your spouse and you say, "Here's what we're going to do. Here's why we're going to do it," and and c- combine your goals, then then you got a great partner. I I, I hear it all the time where people. Like the husband can't buy a rent house because the wife doesn't want to or vice versa, and they never get in it because they didn't figure out the why. Well, I'll toss one more out to you. So, you know, I always go to people. I go, hey, man, I figured out a way for your newborn child to go to college for free. And if it's 200000 it's 200000 And they're like, okay, what is it? I said, and you're going to teach your kids an education. I said, go buy a rent house that is, let's say, 200000 Put it on a 15-year note, and now it's going to be free and clear by the time they're 15 years old. But you're also going to teach your, your kid, hey, we're pulling weeds, we're, we're fixing out water heaters, we're doing all that other. But what's also great is, let's say that $200,000 house, 15 years later, let's just say it's modestly worth two fifty. dollars didn't really kill it, two fifty. dollars Well, instead of selling it and having a taxable event, Refine. refinance it, now it's free and clear. You just pulled out 200000 because you're at uh, you know, an 80% loan-to-value ratio, and now you have 200 thousand free for your kids to go to college or and i would say my plan might not be the plan but tell me what your plan is everyone else's plan is is work hard get taxed on the money invest it get taxed on the money yep. and then pull it out and you got nothing but what's great about this plan is you just i always view it as shearing the sheep we didn't kill the sheep we just sheared off 200 grand and we still have the sheep so it can grow more wool sheep said wool right yeah i think well yeah. uh do they i think so okay, my, okay. that's where wool well, comes from my my okay. wife and I just did that exact strategy. Like we bought uh, a year ago, my little girl was born, and so we bought her a fourplex. Five days after she was born, we closed on a fourplex, putting on a fifteen year mortgage. And and so not only I think it'll be worth almost exactly the number you said between two and two fifty, maybe three. Yep. Then it's probably worth. 150 to two right now. And uh, the beautiful part is a couple things. One, it's going to pay for her entire college. Or if she didn't want to go to college, like, I mean, first, she's going to get an amazing education because like you said, pulling weeds, she'll be like, she'll, as soon as she understands what a rental is, like how that works, she'll be trained from the time now until then. If she wants to use it to buy real estate when she's 18, I don't care. If she wants to use it for a business, I don't care. Like it's her money. But I'm going to refinance it so that the equity is hers. It's still my property. And absolutely, it's cash, that property's going to cash flow like almost $1,000 a month from now until whenever. I get to keep that. That's yep. my money as well. And so like it's her college education. My tenants are paying for it. And uh, I'm doing like what I call the burst strategy where you buy it, rehab it, rent it out, refinance it, and then repeat the process. Okay. So I'm getting all my cash back that I have into the deal. So like I'll have nothing invested in the deal at the end of the day, hopefully, as long as the, you know, the appraisal comes back good enough. And it sure. covers her entire college. Every single kid I – if I have lots of kids, I don't know. I, I love having kids, so the first one was great. I'll probably do it again. If I have more kids, every kid is going to get one of those, and I tell everyone the same thing. Like buy your kid yep. a property, and who cares? Leverage it you know, as much as you want because let, let the tenants pay it off. I totally agree. And, but you know, I always say find the why. If, if you have a strong enough why while you're doing it, that's yeah. the thing that's going to – 
plow you through a tough time. So my why is retirement horizon 65 and that's my why. And I got a herd of properties. Um, you know, your why is on that fourplex is for your daughter's education. So find the why and then apply real estate to that challenge or opportunity or problem. Um, but yeah, find the why and make sure that your spouse is on board. That way it doesn't become combative. I, I know I keep saying that my wife is phenomenal and super supportive, but I hear it all the time from other people are going, uh, you know what, we just, you know, I, my wife doesn't want to deal with leaky toilets or my husband's not handy and all that. There's a million reasons not to do something, but you know, there's a, I mean, I, I, I say this, my work has made me, uh, I've made a great living pretty much all my life, but the modest amount of wealth I have is from real estate. And so I look at folks that have done kind of the similar things I have. And I look at the difference in our net worth and it's all because of real estate. I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. South Lake a million dollars worth of appreciation last year. You know how hard yeah. it is to make a million dollars and to have, You'd have to make a million four or a million five to tax it down to a million. It's just, it's crazy. And then what if that job took you away from your home 200 nights a a year? That's terrible too. I fully agree. Unless you're you're in Hawaii like you, Brandon. Unless unless you're here. (laughs) So, all right. So I want to shift gears here. And I know I say that phrase a lot, but it's my favorite phrase. Uh, I actually learned that from a guy named Srini who had the School of Life podcast back in the day. Used to always say, we're gonna shift gears now. So we're gonna shift gears now and uh, head over to a newer segment of our show we just started introducing recently, and that is called our Random Five. It's time for it's time for it's time for the Random Five. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Are you about to sell a property? Wait like 60 seconds because this could save you thousands. Our friends at 1031 Pros have saved their clients more than half a billion dollars with a B in taxes with 1031 tax deferred exchanges. With the 1031 exchange, you can say goodbye to the huge capital gains taxes when selling and roll your property's profit into another investment that could make you even more. Whether you're an individual investor, part of a larger group, or a title or real estate agent, 1031 Pros is ready to help. Trust me, I've done 1031 exchanges on multiple properties before, and it has saved me tens of thousands in taxes, if not more. With over 30 years of experience, 1031 Pros has handled over 20,000 audit-free exchanges, and they specialize in all types of exchanges, delayed, simultaneous, reverse, and improvement exchanges in all 50 states. And right now, Bigger Pockets listeners can get $250 off any exchange by visiting my1031pros.com slash BP. That's my1031pros.com slash BP to get $250 off today. Oh, and make sure to mention Bigger Pockets when you call. They take care of our people over there. 
Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. All right, the random five. These are five random questions just to help us get to know you a little bit better, uh, Tim. Okay. So number one, if you had to pick besides your family, if you had to pick three people to be on a desert island with you, I'm kind of tweaking the question a little bit, deserted, deserted desert island, three people, not your family, who would you pick with? Holy Anybody cow. alive, uh, dead, uh, people you know, celebrities, doesn't matter. Warren Buffett All right. for sure. That's uh, he's kind of old, one. though. He wouldn't, um, be, he wouldn't be very helpful on a deserted island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, be, I don't, I don't think I'm allowed to bring a girl. My wife wouldn't give me a, <laughs> a hall pass on that. <laughs> so we got we to gotta rule out all the women. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of respect for a lot of people. I, I have respect for entrepreneurs. So, I mean, you could stick Mark Cuban on there. I mean, he probably talks as much as I do. <laughs> I, you know, but I have a lot of respect for him. I like how he thinks. I don't know. I mean, I've read so many books like uh, Cardona. I like him. I like Kiyosaki. Um that's more than three. I don't really know because <laughs> right. I mean, I've got a lot of heroes because I read a ton of books. So like whatever book I'm reading, like I'm reading Elon's Musk book right now. I probably oh. can because he can figure out how to get off the eye. But whoever's <laughs> yeah. book I'm reading, they're my hero for the next you know, 10, 10, 20 days. So yep. sorry, I did a horrible job answering that. That's all right. I like Elon that Musk and Thomas Edison. Yeah, they'd you get, get the two of them together. I've, I've thought about writing a book, except I'm not sci-fi. But can you imagine <laughs> the two of those guys partnering up? Like with fun. technology today, oh my goodness, the things they would invest in, invent. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, Brandon. No, you're the next one. Which one uh, do you want? Do you tan or do you burn? I burn. Me I burn too. too much Irish blood in me. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, are you Irish? Because you're redhead. I am partially very small Irish, more Norwegian, but. Ah, okay. All right, next yeah. question. If you had a yacht, maybe you do have a yacht, but if you had a yacht, what would you, what would you name it? <laughs> Ooh. Oh my God. Man, I wish you guys would have gave me these beforehand. Um, <laughs> I, the know, bigger pocket yacht. Probably big goals. Big, big goals. Goal. All right. Everything's That's a goal a in my life, so probably big goal. Cool. That's a good one. All right. Um, Mindy, what do you got? That okay, was three, what right? Are five so apps. Right. What are five apps you need on your cell phone? Uh, am I allowed to do a shameless plug here on one? Sure. Or no? Do it. All sure. right. So I, so I invented an app called uh, Card Dart. And what it is, is normally when you get someone's contact information, it's like Mindy Jensen, her phone number, email, it's pretty vanilla. So what Card Dart is, you, you do a little video of yourself, it's free, it's in, it's in the Apple. You do a little video of yourself and it has your information. So now if you're trying to get someone to, to sell you a property, 
you you have a little bit of flavor about yourself. So my wife had a listing and all these California investors were calling on it and she was just texting her vanilla V card. Well, my wife is five foot one, fireball, blonde, peppy, an investor. So why would she not send a card dart going, I'm an investor, you're an investor. I think like an investor, call me and, and with her V card. So it's card dart. That's one of my favorite apps. Uber, I can't live without. I mean, uh, I, you know, Uber, God, God bless Uber. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Another app is probably Control 4, which does all the automation in my house. What else do I have in here? The those, Bigger those Pockets the big app? The, 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 the big, yeah. Since we're doing shameless plugs, yeah. Speaking the of shameless app. plugs. Uh, I don't know, Twitter. So yeah. I, I like to bet on sports. There might be a, a sports betting app on there, too. All right. All right. Did you pick NC or Gonzaga last night? North Carolina, thank you. I got slaughtered on blackjack table while I was watching the game, but I did extremely well on North Carolina. <laughs> I picked Gonzaga to go the whole way, and I am so mad that they didn't win. Well, I don't actually I'm, care. I'm about 1,500 reasons why I'm happy that, they, that your team lost. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair All right. enough. Our last question of the random five. Would you rather work for the FBI or NASA? That's a good question. FBI. All right. Why? Why? I mean, what's NASA done in the last 30 years? Elon Musk's crushing them. That's but the true. FBI, you, you might find out stuff that you have no clue is going on. Might be, I think it would be extremely interesting. Every day would be different. All right. All right, cool. Well, that was our random five. Just kind of a little uh, part of the show to shake up things a little bit. Now let's back, get back to real estate. Uh, next question is how do you find deals today? I mean what are you doing that's working today to find good properties? Well, I mean the one thing – Anything in my criteria, I get emailed automatically. Any real estate agent can do that. My wife does it for me. And so I view it as I've got to see it as soon as anyone as soon as anyone possibly can. The other thing I do is is I always make these are a couple trick moves I do. So I always offer cash and and I always have a line of credit to buy it because I feel really sorry for the you know, the Jack and Jill Barry that are trying with the two kids trying to trying to buy a house with a with a 80 percent, 20 percent down, 80 percent no deal compared to an investor that can just cash it and slaughter it. Yeah. The other thing that I do, if you think about it, I always tell people when, when they're writing a contract, don't freak out until the last hour of option period. Write contracts like crazy. You can always pull out before options. So lots of times people are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, that I don't know, you're going to lose a deal. Write it, lose 100 bucks, lose 500 bucks, whatever it takes if you pull if you pull away from the deal. So the other thing I do is I do super high earnest. So let's say it's a $200,000 house, I'll put a $100,000 earnest check mm-hmm. and and I'll and I'll do a shorter uh, option time so that they'll pick me. The earnest is really kind of a trick because it doesn't it doesn't hit until the deal's done. So writing a $100,000 earnest check on a $200,000 house and like the last one I did they had 11 offers. And so I, I promise you, no one had a hundred thousand dollar earnest. No one had a seven day close. No one had any of that stuff. So I feel sorry for the folks that were trying to buy a nice little house because you know it just crushed it. So, so the high earnest, the high earnest is uh, it's not even real. It seems real, but it isn't real. But you think about it, that person's maybe sold a house once every ten years. They see that this guy is putting a hundred thousand dollars down. Oh man, he must be for real. Yep. So that's a little move that I've learned. I love that. I've heard that. I've read about that in the forums. I don't want to put down $100,000 of earnest money personally because I don't want to lose it. But like you said, it doesn't matter if you put down Brandon's favorite amount is a dollar. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's only with like private sellers. MLS, yeah, I'll jack that up all the way. 
That's funny. Yeah, Brandon yeah. wrote an article about how he put a dollar, dollar down. down. Yeah, my, my fourplex like, for, for Rosie. That was a dollar down, that fourplex. Anyway. Yeah, the one that awesome, he bought man. to finance yeah. his child's yeah. education. He that's awesome. invested a whole dollar in her. I'll be sure to tell her that when yeah, she's yeah, older, Brandon. Yeah, let her, I you know what? Um, but I, yes, the psychological block of, oh my God, this is $100,000. And if I don't go through with the contract, then I'm going to lose this money. How many times do you keep the earnest money if the deal falls through? It happens almost never. I had yeah, dinner you, with a guy. You got option. You got yeah. option. Think about it, the earnest is at the title company, and and you've got a contract. And so let's say you have the seven day option. You've got till six hours and uh, you know six days and twenty nine hour twenty three hours. I guess that's how how many are in a day now um, <laughs> before you really have to do anything. So. Can you explain that real quick for those for those people who are brand new? I have no idea what you mean by option and all and all that. Can you explain what that process sure. is and why you're not losing your earnest money? Okay, so you write a contract and you have an option period. The option period is to allow you to get inspections and you know just see what's right or wrong. Typically, option is seven to ten days, and so you you give the seller typically a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars, depending on how much the house is. So you give them an option check for, let's say, $100. So you give them an option check for $100. let us say it's a $200,000 house. I'm going to offer all cash, and I'm going to write the title company a $100,000 um, earnest ch- check. So that $100,000 does not kick in until the last day of option. When option's expired, then you have a deal. you got to go through with it. So for seven days, I'm figuring out whether I really want to buy this. But what I love for $100, I tied up that property for seven days. I'm in the first position. You can't, you can't do anything around me, which is, which is great. So um, all I'm saying is when you write a contract, don't freak out until you're out of option because that's really when it's executed, and that's really when you have to go through. Yeah. So many people get caught up on that. Well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, and then they lose properties, and then they end up getting another property that wasn't as good as the first one, and now they feel like they've got the bridesmaid and not the bride on the deal. <laughs> you know, and, and in my in my area, we don't have. I mean, we don't have like it's a little bit different in that we don't have like the option necessarily. We don't pay a hundred dollars and like that. We just like I, when I do an in, when I make an offer, I do a seven day inspection period, and I give my earnest money to the title company, and I've never actually put down money in an option. I wonder if that's your area specific or if it's just my area is not specific. Yeah, that's but Texas. Uh, okay. Yeah, maybe, but it's the same principle. Basically, applies. I don't have to even spend the hundred bucks, though. So yeah, good for you, man. It's just super <laughs> competitive. It's super competitive in our area. Yeah. Like that last house is eleven offers. So you got to, yeah. you know, if you're not in a competitive situation, then you know, put a buck down. But if you are, try to figure an angle where yep. your deal is going to be accepted. Because you know, ten people lost, and I won on that deal. And lots of times I do lose, but I won on that one just because I used the hammer to to kill an ant. I mean, yep. I just threw it all at it. <laughs> Yep, and I think that's what you got to do. Now, what about somebody who doesn't have cash right now to go and buy a property? What do they do? What's that's funny. I've got a I've got a kid that's interning for me out in Lubbock, and he's in the exact same scenario. So I always say, watch out for the vice and vice. Find the smartest person you know. I've got a mortgage broker that's just absolutely awesome. Seventy three years old, brings his dogs to work, smokes and cuss. He couldn't be on your <laughs> podcast because it would be da 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 be da 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 be. His name's Mike Anderson. He's a, he's a sweetheart. But so. So Justin is 21 years old. He's a senior at Texas Tech, and he's trying to buy a house. So we called the smartest person we knew, Mike, and said, what can we do? Well, what Mike found is if you're within – if you're in an agricultural area, they got a deal where it's 100% financing when you're a little bit further out. And Lubbock is one of these towns that you get real rural real quick, about 20 miles outside of the town. So, so – Here's the scenario. He's got a good credit score. He's got like a 7, 770 beacon, and 
he could potentially get in a house for no money down because of this this ag deal. So I, I think what I would do is try to find the smartest mortgage person you know and go to them. And he also found two other products, one's with 3% down and one's with 5% down. So I literally went through this exact same scenario last Saturday. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and you know, it, it kind of, you know, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason when they say that where there's a will, there's a way. Like if you want something sure. bad enough, you're going to figure it out. And the, the, the biggest way I know is, yeah, talk to somebody else who figured it out. And, you know, talk, like, go talk to somebody who's smart and they, they know this stuff. Oh, very Think cool. about what you guys know. Think about what you guys know in real estate now versus when you first started. I mean, it's just, you know, I feel like I got an MBA in real estate and, and, and I made a lot of mistakes too. So, but compared to me, you know, when I was 19, I bought my first house. Man, I've just learned a ton. So if you could tap a 51-year-old guy that's made some mistakes and done some things successful, go to him and have him help you out. That's a much better way for you know a 21-year-old kid to go versus trying to figure it out on his own. Okay. And and one more question on that kind of uh, – I like to always ask finding and funding together. So you find them a lot. sounds like you do a lot of MLS stuff like with real estate agents. Yep. How are you funding them though? How do you – I mean you buy them for cash, but are you leaving the cash in there or what do you do? So here's what I just recently did. So uh, I've never taken money out, and I just we bought a we bought a, a big house, and, and I spent a fortune doing some stuff on it. So what I recently did is I just I just threw about I think 15 properties, lumped them together, refinanced it. They're worth five million. I, got, I took a 2.1 million dollar loan on it, but I pulled out a little over 300 thousand tax free. Uh, so it would have been a million eight loan, but because I, I decided to shear that sheep a little, so I took 300. Uh, of it, but I didn't bring it to Vegas, thank God, and and rewarded myself for for my investments. And now what I have is a five hundred thousand dollar line of credit that anytime I go to put a cash offer, I submit that five hundred thousand dollar line of credit once. And this just all transpired about six weeks ago, so I haven't actually bought a house since. So put that line of credit down. Let's say the house is two hundred fifty thousand. Then they're, they're going to toss that house onto my permanent line. So now my two point one million dollar loan will be two point three five, uh, and then I repl- they'll refresh my line of credit. The reason why I can do that is think about it. Let's make numbers easier: five million and, and two million dollar loan. I mean, the LTV loan to value on that is astronomical. You know, that's they've they've got what am I got forty forty percent? They've got sixty sixty percent equity. So. I can keep buying houses, not have to put anything down because my down is coming from that massive amount of equity that I have. So yeah. my goal is to buy 10 houses in the next two years, 10 quality houses that are between two and 350,000. So that's, that's the goal in the next, uh, next, next two years. All right. And, and to kind of circle back to what we, how we started this conversation, kind of the last question before we go to the fire round, when you're buying Uh-oh. these real, yeah, when you're, when you're, when you're buying these really, really <laughs> nice houses, do you care about cash flow at all? I mean, what if it loses money? Would you still buy a really nice house if it lose, lost money? Yeah, I would. And, and But that's my particular situation. I think I would tell a young investor that needs – you know, there's a lot of books talk about alligators. When you have houses negative, it's like having an alligator coming at you. So I've got enough other things going on that I'm fine with it. The demographics on the South Lake is just astronomical. I mean, the median income is like 175000 You know, the average house is like – 900,000. It's just, there's just a pocket of three different affordable areas within the, within the city and that's it. And so I just look at like, let's take Beverly Hills. Somebody thought that a house was too much in 1970 in Beverly Hills in 1980, 1990. Uh, we've got another area in Dallas called, uh, called uh, Highland Park where Jerry Jones and, you know, super elite rich people live. And I promise you people thought whatever they paid for it was too much 
whenever they did it throughout all the years. I just think the iconic areas that had the right zoning, the right school districts, and uh, are always going to go up. The other thing I love about South Lake, I feel like I should run for mayor, but but the other thing I, I love about South Lake <laughs> is is think about it. In the United States, in the middle of the United States, you got Chicago, Denver, and Dallas that if you were a regional salesperson, you had to cover the whole U.S. and you didn't want to be flying from L.A. to Boston or Boston to L.A. And of those three areas, Mindy lives in Colorado, but it snows. Chicago, I used to live there, it snows. Dallas doesn't snow that often. So if you're a type of guy that can live anywhere because you're always on an airplane, you're probably going to pick Dallas. And the next thing you're going to do is you're probably making good money and you're probably married and you have kids. So this little pocket is right next Next to the Dallas Fort Worth Airport, and it's got every single thing a, a wealthy, affluent family would want. And it, the best thing it has is super, super tight restrictions on zoning. I always joke that I've got thirty thousand housewives fighting my fights for me every time in South Lake. So if they want to put up, they want to put a new Walmart. Oh my God, everyone went crazy. So I have thirty thousand stay-at-home moms battling my battle. So I don't have to worry about whether that town's going backwards. That makes perfect sense to me. That really does. Those women will fight your fight for you. <laughs> totally. You know, they think the land the land behind their house should be a forest forever. They don't realize some investors got a couple million tied up. And so now you want to convert it to something, they lose their mind. I'm like, if you got a problem with it, buy it. Keep it as a forest. But there's some dude that has a lot of money tied up in there and wants an equity moment. There you go. There you go. All right. And of course, that advice, I think, like you said, it's going to be different for you than maybe somebody else. If you're brand new that might and have yeah. no money whatsoever, that might be different about buying a house that loses some money or, you know, whatever. Like, sure. all these things depend a little bit. But I, I don't know. I, I love your kind of the way you think about this stuff because it's like it's like the next level of where like I'm trying to get to and where I know a lot of our listeners are trying to get to is how do we start thinking bigger? How do we take advantage of that appreciation, take advantage of these unique, better deals? So very, very cool. Sure. So let's, uh, let's head over to the next segment of the show, which we lovingly refer to as our Fire Round. It's time for the Fire Round. Now let's get to the Fire Round. These questions come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forums, and we're going to fire them right at you, Tim. You ready for this? Yes. All right. Number one. <laughs> I love this question. Why do, <laughs> why do property managers suck? Oh boy, they do suck. It's you know I spoke about goals throughout this this whole deal. I don't like anyone that has a conflicting goal with me. I mean, they're running that way, I'm running this way. Let's think about a property manager. So really what a property manager does, they get a phone call from a tenant that has a problem. So they're really just a go-between. They're going to call you and figure out what what you want to do about it. And you're probably going to say, well, call a plumber. Well, they're probably going to call a plumber that they're getting a little something back on because they refer so many jobs to them. So that's a little bit of a conflict of interest. The other thing I really, really don't like about property managers is think about how they get paid. They get paid on your turnover. So if someone's there for a year and then they leave, they kind of want them to leave because then they can get somebody in there new and yeah, get yeah. a brand new fee on it. So it's a conflict of interest. And again, you know, you, you got to, I, you know, I worked in restaurants when I was younger. You know, I washed dishes, I cooked, I bust tables, I bartended. I did all of it. So I think I have a very good understanding of what it takes to run a restaurant. And if you're a real estate investor and you hand off all the dirty work, what have you ever learned? You haven't learned anything. So I think you need to learn it. And maybe when your portfolio gets large enough and you finally find a great property manager, hand it off. But I, I don't see myself ever handing it off because I think it's very, very important. And then with our deal, buy from me, tear up your lease for free. We want to take 
take care of them right away. We want to get that problem solved. And, and, and my property is kind of my 401k of life. It's my retirement. So if there's something wrong in my retirement, like a leaky toilet, a leaky faucet, I want to fix it because I don't want to flood my retirement. So property management, no way. Right. Ever. Can I can I ask you? I'll expand on that a little bit. I know this is a fire round, but when you're managing properties, I mean, what do you, what does your team look like? I mean, how much are you doing personally? I mean, you got a business, you got all this stuff. Okay. And who do you have in, in your employees? Hey, maybe, maybe this maybe this is why I love it so much. My wife takes care of all of it. There you go. So maybe that's why I love it. And, and she is just a taskmaster, and she'll kill you with kindness. And so up in Kentucky, we've got three people up there for all that multifamily stuff. But my wife takes care of it, and she is just. I call her a hummingbird. She just never stops, man. She just is constant motion. And uh, and here's the funny thing: she'll, you know, garbage disposals are really easy to fix with a little Allen wrench. So they'll call over. She'll get down there with an Allen wrench. She's got a tool bag. So you see this petite little cute thing fixing it. One time there was a, something wrong on a roof. She gets a ladder goes on the roof. Well, that guy feels so ridiculous asking her to come fix his roof or his garbage disposal. They just stop calling. That's funny. So That's it, it funny. works. Me, they. They, they would have me back, and I would screw it up. I'm not very handy. But, <laughs> yeah, that's probably why I like it, because my lovely wife takes care of all of it. You know who we need to get on the show, Mindy? We need to get Tim's oh, wife on the show. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right, we're going to make that happen. We're, you tell Crystal we're coming for her. All right, so all right. next question. Mindy, take it. How specific should your goals be? Like, how detailed do you get in your goals? Thank you for asking that, because um, my, my thought is extremely detailed, because because activity will will is the only way the goals get done. So I'm always like on my board, putting dots on it. I'm very specific on it. There's an old saying that uh, that's been around for forever, and I always talk about it. How do you eat a cow? You eat a cow one steak at a time. So someone looks at this thing and says, "Hey, I want a ten million dollar portfolio of real estate." That could be overwhelming. That could stop you from even getting out of the gates. But if you say, "I'm going to chop it up into a little two hundred fifty thousand dollar steak and another two hundred steak and start adding up," you're good to go. And speaking of goals, so so my goal was to have ten houses when I was forty. Brandon, I heard you're thirty and you're killing it and you're you're way ahead of where I was at that time. But what I I'm always about rewarding yourself. Like if you're going to go work out for a year, then you can eat a chocolate sundae. So my chocolate sundae was, if I had 10 houses, if my rep firm was doing a certain amount, my promotional products like Logo Business doing a certain amount, then then at 40, I allowed myself to buy a Lamborghini Gallardo. And uh, I bought it used, it had a thousand <laughs> miles on it. So I got it for like, I don't know at the time, 20 grand less than what they normally was. But, but I, I always say that I'm extravagantly conservative. So even when I got those 10, I went to the dealership and man, I'm like, I don't know. I think it was a hundred fifty thousand dollar car at the time. I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. And then I kept saying, if I don't do it, then that little sales manager in my head that's been telling me that if yep. I did that, I could get a Lambo, then he's a liar. If if I don't do it, so so I did it, and uh, and I'm so happy I did it because, but because at fifty I had 153 doors, so I went from zero to forty. Took me ten. I got 10. For, in 40 years, I got 10. But from 40 to 50, I got 153 doors. And so then I bought a, a red uh, Lamborghini Huracan when I turned 50 nice. uh, as a celebration for that. So, but, but here's the thing. Think about it. Most people want to go on a vacation, put it on a credit card, and figure out how they're going to pay it off at 18%. My deal is set a goal, achieve it, reward yourself. Set a goal, achieve it, reward yourself. And that way, you're excited about achieving your goals. And, and it goes back to what I said earlier in the podcast. Find the why. Why are you doing this? What, what's important to you? And reward yourself when you do the right behavior. 
I love that. I love that. I love that. People should like rewind that last like two minutes and listen to it like five times a day. All right. Get rid of the whole other thing. Yeah, get rid of the whole. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. My market prices are so high. Can it just keep going up? I guess they're, they're you know, we get this question a lot. Actually, people worried about are we at the peak? I mean, how high can this stuff go? Uh, so here's my answer on that. You said earlier in the podcast you like making babies. So <laughs> I like I like baby. Okay, I like making babies and I like babies. All right. So so how I look at it is if people keep making babies, you fall down over their mindy. If people keep making babies, our population is going to keep growing and people are going to keep needing houses. So unless people stop making babies, I think we're going to be all right. Now as far as the market price, the other thing I say is is do you think bricks and sticks and labors are, are going to go down? Is all of a sudden a guy that's making 20 bucks an hour to, to lay bricks, is he going to all of a sudden take a cut to 10? So as long as bricks and sticks and labor continue to go up, the house is going to appreciate. And I think some would say that we're printing money like crazy, so it's devaluing the dollar. So a house that was 200 grand is now 300 grand just because the dollar doesn't buy as much. In, in my book, I show what inflation has done. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I'm a lot older than y'all, but a, a, a candy bar was five cents and then it went to 10. Now, now it's a dollar 39. So I, I mean, I don't want to be these, one of these guys that's saying that, oh, it'll go on for forever. But as long as people are having babies, as long as labor keeps getting more expensive, as long as bricks and sticks go up, I don't see houses going down. Yeah. I mean, have you, have you priced new construction versus existing? New construction in my area is selling for about 350, 380 a square foot, while you can still buy houses sub 200 a square foot. Somehow that that has got to even out. Yeah. So and I even think if, even if we do see homes keep going. I think even if we do see a decline, I mean, I think long term. I mean, 20 years from now, is that house that you bought in what's the area called? Whatever lake, South Lake, or whatever. South Lake. Yeah. yeah. Like, is that house going to be worth more or less than what it is today in 20 years? I think all of us would agree yeah. it's going to be worth way more, like way more. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, like, I mean, even if if the little ebbs and flows, like we we're, I mean, exactly what we were t- we we're talking about earlier, things might go up and down, but if you keep your eye on the horizon, uh, you're going to be yeah. fine. So I love that. And and. And I'm an optimistic person. So, you know, whoever out there is looking at it pessimistically, you, know, you probably have some valid points, but I'm a long-term investor. I will. I hope to never sell any of my properties. I hope to hand them off to the kids. And I, and I hope to every three to five years to shear off between two and $500,000 off of it and just keep shearing, shearing, shearing. And um, so that's, that's my philosophy on it. Love it. Love it. Love it. It's, Love it's it. wool, right? It's wool. <laughs> it's wool that it's we're sharing. <laughs> that, right. is, that is true. Uh, okay, last question. I'm 20 years old. Uh, I am. Not a lot of money or experience, <laughs> and we're in yeah. a great market. Is it a good time to get started? Yeah, every time is a good time to get started. I mean, even <laughs> – I mean, you know, I've got the saying called beautiful barber, and, and it's a story I, I, I write about that uh, – that I was dreaming and scheming about buying an acre next to some land I had. I, and I thought about it for a year and a half. And I'm a sales guy by nature and a go-getter and an optimistic person. I wasted a year and a half dreaming and scheming. Well, what I offered her wasn't remotely close to what she thought it was worth. So I look back now, whenever I catch myself daydreaming, I'm like, stop beautiful Barbara, just do it. I mean, just make the offer, figure it out, go right now. I mean, the other thing is if you're 20 years old, if you do it now instead of 30, it's just going to change your trajectory. I mean, I mean, Things are going to keep going up, I think, and and do it now. And even if you make a mistake, learn from it. I mean, there's no perfect. You know, one of my favorite things I say is people want they don't want to drive to wherever they're going unless they know all the lights are green. 
You can't do that. You got to go. And if you hit a red light and if you got to stop, you got to do all that stuff, just do it. Just, just get going on it right away. But I mean, you're going to make mistakes. You can't avoid them. And hopefully they're just not too terrible. Uh, that's, that's a awesome. great that's a great quote you're gonna make mistakes you can't avoid them yeah, i got true. a chapter in my book that, i got a chapter in my books that says mistakes and failures mandatory and if you think about it every successful person we know the reason why we know their name is they've overcome more problems and challenges i hate the word problem challenges than we have the yeah. reason why we know people that are more famous well mindy you're pretty famous but people, mindy is people a big that, deal. Are, that, are, that are really famous is because they overcame more than we have so just realize everyone has problems. Just how are you going to overcome them? I love it. Love it. All right, let's get over to the last segment of the show, which we lovingly call our Famous Four. All right, the Famous Four. These are the same four questions we ask every guest every week. We're going to find out what you got to say about them, Tim. Number one, what is your favorite real estate-related book besides your own? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, um, it's got to be Kiyosaki. It changed my life. Okay. I first read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I'm telling you, I needed a fork and a knife. I, I was going through it, and it was just really difficult for me. And and I, I got through it, but I really didn't get it. But then I read Cashflow Quadrant. And what I would suggest, if you're getting a Kiyosaki book, start with Cashflow Quadrant. Because once I read Cashflow Quadrant, I went back to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it made perfect sense to me. So uh, it absolutely changed my life. There you go. Me nice. too. That's one of the most popular answers to that question. It's oh, really? That's such a I, good book. It's what I said, too, on mine. So, yeah, I mean, it's great. Anyway, <laughs> number two. Number two, what is your favorite business book in non-real estate? And not mine again, right? We'll say not yours. We'll give you a not yours. We'll not find out what yours is in a minute. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing y'all. So, uh, man, I love Grant Cardone. And the reason why I love him is he just puts a foot in your tail side. You know, mm. he just is right up there. He's the, He's like the Dr. Phil of, of business. So his latest book, Be Obsessed or Be Average, I read it. My wife's reading it now. And what I love about it, it sounds bad because, man, I'll help anybody with anything. I mean, I, I really feel like if, you, if you're a step above on the ladder, you got to grab someone and bring them up a, ru- a rung. But when you start doing pretty well, some people resent it because they, they feel like because you're going better, they're going – they're, they're falling behind. But I didn't do anything to hurt them. I just have high goals for myself. And so what, what Be Obsessed or, or Be Average from uh, Cardone, he just basically said, hey, too bad that those people are hating on it. And you know what you had to do and what, what all three of us have had to do and, and Bigger Pocket Nation, what we've had to do to, to get ahead. It hadn't been easy. So be obsessed about it and don't feel bad if someone begrudges your success. And that's really been a, a, a neat message because I'm the type of guy that will help anybody and, and I don't understand why people aren't happy for others. Yeah. Cool. I have not read that one of Grant, Grant Cardone's but I love the 10X rule and it's on my list to read so oh, I'll try to get to it while I'm here. Yeah. Great books. All right. Cool. Number three. Okay. Mindy. What are your hobbies? That's funny because I really don't have any. I love I love working. <laughs> I love working so much. Real estate really is my hobby and, and probably sports cars. I've got the 59th Tesla ever made, which I thought wow. was a good thing, like having a 69, 64 and a half Mustang. But Elon's a madman. He keeps keeps inventing more and more <laughs> stuff. So I just I just ordered the biggest, baddest one they got, that P100D, oh, 778 horse, horsepower and 0 to 60 in like under three seconds. So probably sports cars, uh, working, and, and real estate's my hobby. And gambling, pretty, Vegas. Pretty, and gambling, yeah. <laughs> if I am purses, if I win. <laughs> All right, last question from me. Number four of the famous four, what do you believe 
sets apart successful real estate investors from all those others who give up, they fail, or they never get started? I, I, again, it's watch out for the vice and advice. I mean, there's so many people that just, I mean, they'll just blabber on about anything that they have no expertise in. So what I would say to the bigger pocket nation is go to someone that's doing better than you and try to emulate what they're doing. And, and all these other people that are the white noise out there, don't listen to them. I mean, literally 98% of people will never have a net worth of a million dollars. So that means out of a hundred people, 98 people that are giving you advice are basing it on nothing. So you almost have to do contrarian things and look for a mentor, look for someone that's someone that's where you want to be. And you always joke, mow their lawn, wash their car, do whatever you can do to bring value to them. So they'll let you linger around and get some knowledge. Fantastic. So smart. Such a great answer. All right, Mindy, you want to take us out the last question? Is that it? Are we almost over? We got got one more. We We got one more for you. We have one last question. (laughs) (laughs) Where can people find out more about you, Tim? Thank you for asking. Uh, TimShiner.com. Shiner like a black eye or like Shinerbach beer. Just TimShiner.com. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of free stuff on there. I've got a poster, 25 Habits of a Future Millionaire. And it's my goal to have young people have that on their wall. And it's basically a breakdown of, of my book, 50 Things They Didn't Teach You uh, in School. And that poster is book? that book. And it's funny because if you weren't going to shamelessly plug me, I was going to do it. <laughs> it's on Amazon. Here's what's great about it. I'm not making a nickel off it. 100% of the proceeds, 100% of the profit is going to a food bank in, uh, in Keller, Texas called Community Storehouse. And uh, what I write in the last page of the book is if, if this book gave you more knowledge than you paid for it, then make a donation. I love yeah, that. And it's good information too. It's it, they don't teach anything about financial education in high schools today, and that's that's just preparing our kids to fail. So this I, is there's a lot of really great like stories Kiyosaki. in this book. Kiyosaki's preached it all along, and uh, you know when you grow up scrappy. You know, where are you going to get your advice from? So this thing's an ADD person's dream. The chapters are quick. There's a picture on every chapter. And we hit a lot of different things like write thank you notes, follow up, you know, things like that. Be charitable. So it's a lot of – we touch on a lot of different things in there. And it's doing, it's doing really well. So awesome. I encourage people to get it. I'm going to read it while here in Hawaii. Is that it? That's it. We're out of here. So uh, That's it. Tim. Is there any like – <laughs> like boom, or is there anything fun coming? Wow, yay! You know that's that's yay, about it. Tim. This is typically where Josh will say, <laughs> I- "I'll take Josh's role here." He'll say, "Well, Tim, thanks so much for being on the podcast. We really enjoyed having you." No, that's about it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank y'all both. Thank, thanks, thanks for uh, having me on, and I really appreciate both y'all. Thank you very much. All right, thank Tim, you. Thank good luck you at the table. Coming on the show. Yes. Yes. Hey, good luck at the blackjack it. table. I All appreciate right. that. Thank you so much. All right, Bye, thanks. y'all. Bye. Bye. All right, and that was our show with Tim Shiner. Fantastic. Did, did, it, did, I, did it live up to the hype, Mindy? I hyped it up a lot because I love this show. Oh, my goodness. I was so excited to talk to Tim. And you ask him a question and just blam, 20 minutes later, you get to ask another question. He has so much so information in his head, and he's so willing to share it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's one of the guys that I want to, like, jump on a plane. Not today because I'm in Hawaii. But, uh, you know, normally <laughs> if I was in, like, you know, Grace Harbor, Washington, I'd get on a plane and go just visit him because I want to learn what he's doing. I want to become more like him. Uh, I love kind of his mindset and uh, his kind of – you know, message of like, you know, put a why behind what you do, like set those goals, like the, you know, things like buying your kid a property when they're born to, to, you know, for the college thing, you know, everybody knows I love doing that. And, and I don't know, just 
the Lamborghini. I don't want a Lamborghini, but I want a house in Hawaii. So maybe I got to set myself a goal of like, when I buy X amount of properties, I can buy a house in Hawaii. I'm going to do it. I will come. I will selflessly volunteer to come and house sit for you. You are a selfless person. Once you get that house in Hawaii. You are a selfish, I mean, selfless person. (laughs) (laughs) All right. With that, I mean, that's pretty much our show. So as usual, guys, uh, we would love if you'd leave us a rating and or review Uh, over in iTunes or if you're listening on Stitcher or even if you're on YouTube, give a thumbs up to this video if you're watching this on video and you don't mind my shiny face. I mean, like like when I started the recording today, I was in the shade and then the sun came out and now it's like. I actually am going to get sunburned because like for the last half hour of the interview today, like I just feel my skin like melting in the heat. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I should have put sunscreen on. Anyway, so I'm going to. Um, yes. Are, have you been a redhead your whole life? Because my dad's a redhead and he burns like crazy. Yeah, I've been a, I've been a strawberry blonde most of my life and then it turned brownie. So now I'm like a strawberry brownie. Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. So let's get out of here. Mindy, you want to take us out? You got to say, the Bigger Pockets Podcast, this is Mindy signing off. That's what you have to say. But go ahead. What? Yes. I know. I listen. I want to thank you for letting me step into Josh's shoes today. Anytime. Josh will be back next week. He will be. He will be. So, well, take us out, Mindy. For the Bigger Pockets Podcast, this is Mindy Jensen signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.